Well, I feel a message that God's laid on my heart for the last week or so, and um, I'll be honest with you, it probably won't make sense to you when I give my title, and uh, God didn't give it to me to make sense. He knows the need, and I'm willing just to be that vessel, to be the mouthpiece tonight, to give what God has laid on my heart, because I carry a very, very heavy burden for this message on my heart tonight. I had thought maybe it had lifted and God changing directions, but as soon as I stepped to the platform, it just dropped again, and I just want to follow the voice of God and His direction. Amen. I want to thank Bishop for giving me this opportunity to stand behind this sacred desk and deliver the word that God has given unto me. I don't take it for granted, nor do I take this opportunity lightly that I just deserve this or I'm entitled to anything. I would just much rather be behind the scenes doing my thing than standing in front of people. But I thank God that he's given me this opportunity to bear my heart tonight. Amen. If we could turn to the book of Psalms chapter 119. Psalms 119, we'll be reading in verse 162. We'll start reading there a few verses of scripture. Psalms 119, 162 says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Lord, I have hoped for thy salvation and done thy commandments. My soul hath kept thy testimonies, and I love them exceedingly. I have kept thy precepts and thy testimonies, for all my ways are before thee. Amen. If we could lay our Bible down, I sure need the help of the Lord tonight to reach down and touch my heart, my mind. I want to give to him everything that he has given unto me. Let's lift our voices unto him tonight. Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We thank you, Savior. Amen. You may be seated. Tonight, I would like to preach to us, teach to us, however it comes across tonight, of why you need a church family. Why you need a church family. Now you look around, you may wonder why. Brother Golf would bring this, but God knows. He knows who will hear this message, and he knows who's listening online. He knows who's here tonight, any doubts or questions you may have in your mind. But God has given me this word, and I want to share it with us tonight. I just need God's people to ride with me for a little while as we dig this out. Amen. We want God to reach down and touch tonight. Amen. Every church has a culture, and if you've ever been around apostolic churches long enough, and if you have been a part of multiple, you can testify to the fact that not every apostolic church is the same. They all have an individual identity, and you don't have to be around church long before you notice that each person begins to take on the identity of that church family. And while there are some that are appearance indicators that you may recognize, I believe there are spiritual attributes that are recognizable among the local church family. It may come across in the way we pray. It may come across in the way we worship. 
And it's common for some mannerisms to come out as sons in the gospel begin to preach the message. It comes out from the influences of their spiritual fathers in the kingdom of God as they're led and guided in the ways of which they should go. Your environment forms you. It gives you an identity. And we are all working to identify as being a part of the body of Christ. None of us are asked to have the same haircut, the same clothes, the same look. None of us have to present outfits to bishop to be approved for us to wear them. We're not trying to look like the people you see on news articles that have the same haircut, the same look, the same unibrow. Everything just looks a little off. They look a little bit too much like each other. That's not what we're about. This is our desire to be a part of a church family. It's not enough to say that you have been to this church or you go to this church or you know someone at this church. You have to be the church. The Bible says to bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. The church is not the place that in, the church is not in place. So you can just phone in your request whenever you have your times of need. But we are commanded to bear one another's burdens. And that is being in place with the church family, joining together as one to hold up those in need. And we are all well aware of what this church is going through right now and just about every other church and body of believers of uh, dealing with sickness and the things that are going on right now. It seems like everything is going on, but there's still a nucleus. There is still the church family. There's still the body of Christ that God has commanded us to be a part of for times such as this, Brother Hilton. If we were not assembled together in the way that we are, I dare say it would be a mess. If people were having to pray their own prayers and deal with everything on their own, but if there was not a body that would respond and feel the pain and see the need and address it, I dare say it would probably be detrimental to some of those that we know even today. But it's because the body can respond and can reach down and bear one another's burdens that we then fulfill the law of Christ. We're able to help those around us. If you find yourself to be that person that is always in need, and always having to call the church, pray for me, pray for this, pray for that. There's nothing wrong with knowing who to turn to. But eventually, you have to be the one that has to stop being the one that has all the needs. And you have to step in and help shoulder the needs. And I'm here to tell you, Bishop said it many times, just being an online church attendee does not bear the burdens of the church. Because you can phone in, you can drop your little text messages and say, pray for me and send word. But there's got to come a point in time where you have to step in and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, we're in this together. And we're going to fight this battle together. You have to bear ye one another's burdens. You will never be happy until you are a part of the body of Christ, joining together and seeing victory. You will never be happy until you are a part of the beautiful thing that we're seeing in this church. Now, I deliver this word with bias because I believe God has given this word for this church, those associated with this church. I can't speak for any other church, but I can tell anyone who's listening to the sound of my voice, you need a church family. And it's not for your own selfish needs. You have to be a part of the family of God. 
There are benefits of being a part of a church family. When God gives a promise to our church, we all benefit from the blessings of God. There's that overflow. And if you're at home and you're just listening in occasionally and sending out messages occasionally, just I dare you to come into the house of God and watch someone who's just received the victory and begin to worship God and you begin to get the splashes of the overflow of the blessings of God because he blessed my brother, he blessed my sister, and then it gets to splash on me and I say, God, you're good. I don't know what you did, but you're good at it. We get the overflow from those around us. And if I have a choice on where I am going to receive my blessings, I choose to be in the house of God among God's people. The ones who are called out, the ones who are chosen. Because something special happens among his people. Now, I'm just going to deliver what God has laid on my heart. I could sit up here and give you 10 minutes of all of the, I know this, and all the exceptions. I don't have time for that. I'm going to make some statements and just take them for what they really are and stop, don't try to pick them apart, but just take them as God laid them upon my heart. Salvation typically comes in the presence of others. There are people who do receive the Holy Ghost outside of a church atmosphere. One of my daughters is a prime example of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost at home. And um, there was a confirmation of it and there is a, a witness of it. But God does things so that he receives glory. He changes people's lives. But he also likes to do them in the presence of his people so that we can witness the great things that he's doing. It's not all about that one person, but it's about the greater body that he's trying to graft each and every one of us into to say, look, I can do it for them and I can do it for you. There is a witness and the hungry recognize this. Most people get the Holy Ghost when they come into a spirit-filled service, walking into an environment where God's wonderful people are worshiping and praising God and lifting their voice and magnifying Him, and that hunger begins to burn within somebody, and they're drawn in by the authentic presence of God. And something begins to change and shift. It's all because we're in the presence of God together. Now, there are the support of the saints. And it's never should be underestimated the power of being able to call upon your saint, your fellow brother and sister, and say, can you pray? That should never be underestimated because in most cases... If someone contacts me and says, Brother Goff, would you pray? I don't just sit there and whisper a prayer. I'm going to reach out to somebody else. I'm going to reach out to someone that I know knows how to pray and say, join with me in this problem. We've got a situation that's dire right now. Now, there have been times that I have been approached with a need that I only had just the the instant urgency to fall on my knees and begin to pray and beseech God but it wasn't a matter of time before I would get a little bit of reprieve I would get up and start making phone calls and sending messages you've got to help me I can't do this alone you've got to help me pray about this situation the support of the saints is a powerful part of the church family that is what makes it be able to say family because we reach in and we grab where it's needed and we shoulder the load and we're a part of something. Most would not understand how powerful the act of placing the hand on the shoulder or a brother in the church and understand how powerful that really is. When you're under the weight and the world feels like it's crashing down upon you, I'm sure there are those here tonight that can testify the fact that all it took was somebody else walking up, laying their hand upon your shoulder, and begin to pray. And you feel that heavenly host 
come in and you felt the presence of God. I myself, we've had this happen many times. It's a beautiful thing when someone feels impressed or led upon by God to just come up and put their arm around you. And it's those moments, I'm so glad I'm a part of the church family. Now we know, Bible teaches about the laying on of hands and how it's reserved for certain situations of the ministry. And Bishop has taught the young ministers and the ministers of this church, regardless of age, that he doesn't go around slapping hands on people and he does it when he's led by the Spirit of God. And so I understand all of that. But there is strength when the church family gathers around and leans in and begins to provide that support, that stability, and becomes the conduit for the presence of God to reach down and touch and minister God's children. The difference is, we're not stepping in and trying to take authority when we're putting hands on somebody and laying our hand of support upon their shoulder and praying with them. We're not trying to supersede the place of the ministry. We're here to say, I've got your back. I'm here to pray with you. You're going to make it. We're going to see our way through this. And just recently, I was praying the other day, and, and I was praying just bearing my heart, and it felt like just everything was crushing down upon me, and I just broke on the altar, and someone felt led to walk over and just lay their hand on my back and begin to pray. And the heavenly hosts come down and just begin to visit and dry up those tears and say, hey, everything's going to be all right. You've got the attention of God right now, and everything's going to be all right. It's all because we're a part of a church family. God knows how to take care of his children. The church family has peace. We're going to go back to a verse of scripture that we read in our opening text in Psalms 119 and 165. It says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Looking at this verse of scripture, Great peace shall be given to the lovers of thy law. Great inward peace satisfaction tranquility of mind in other words one writer says amidst the storms and tempests of the world there is a perfect calm with those who not only do the will of God but love to do the will of God you know what they are they're at peace with God they're at peace with themselves and at peace with all men, because they understand the spirit of charity. All of creation around them is at peace with them, because they know who made them their creator. They know who holds tomorrow, who holds today, and I have peace in my life. Goes on to say, and nothing shall offend them. That means no external troubles can rob them of this great peace. No offenses, no stumbling blocks, which are thrown in their way by persecution or temptation. There's no malice or enemies, malice of enemies that can pull them aside and crush them. And there's no one that can save their friend, that can discourage them, but they see, hear, know, feel, Nothing can push them from the presence of God. And there's support from this heavenly host that bolsters each and every one of us in love. And there's something beautiful about the church family. And what I get from this verse of scripture, if I may apply it this way, it comes from what we all have in common, a love for truth. What better environment to join in and bring together and share in a love for God? Because truth is what brought us together, Brother Hilton. Because if this church did not preach truth, it would only be a social club. 
I dare say hardly any of us would probably be friends outside if we did not know anything about church. But there is this something so very special, this something called truth that binds us together. It's the thing that we have in common and everything that truth encapsulates and what it means to us. And someone says, well, can you describe truth? How much time do you have? Because truth has set me free. Truth has given me peace. Truth has forgiven me. The Bible, thy word is truth. Everything that I believe is wrapped up in everything that the word of God describes as truth. And it is what binds us together. And truth is the incubator for each of us to develop and to mature into God-fearing saints that are not an individual, but a body. It's all because we believe in truth. Now, there's people that try to parse truth out and try to say, I'll take this, not that. But truth, when you believe it in its entirety, it is so strong that it can take people from all over different walks of life and backgrounds and bring us together and make us feel like we are a family because we are. It's because truth has brought us to this place. My mind goes back. I remember as a young man going to Edwardsville Elementary School and there was, towards the end of the school year, they had us do a, uh, like a field day is what they called it. And they would give out ribbons for first place, second place, third place. They probably don't do that anymore. People probably would fall apart if they didn't get a ribbon. And they had these races. And I remember today still, at however many years ago it was, I remember them pairing me up and saying, Douglas, you're going to enter the three-legged race. And they gave me one of the shortest people to run with. Not the type of person you would pick. And typically, in other events, I would see them let the students, the teacher would say, pick your partner and we're going to line up, we're going to do this, whatever it is. Or get in two lines. And they made us, hey, you're going to run a three-legged race with this person. And it's just like on an airline, not to get sidetracked, but they just creep me out. Because in no other time in my life would I ever walk through an airport, would I say, I want to sit next to you, I want my shoulder to touch, my arm to touch, my leg to touch you, and we're going to be inches apart, you're a complete stranger, and you're going to sweat on my leg for the next three hours as we fly. I'm not going to pick to do that. Drives me nuts, but we have to do it. But in the three-legged race, you pick someone, and they go, and they grab this strip of rope or a cloth, and they tie it around your leg, and you're trying to figure this out, and you guys are trying to practice. And it's no longer something that uh, trying to work as a team. I think you kind of do it out of desperation of survival because if you're the smaller one, you're going to get drug to the finish line if you make it or falling on or and there's that tie that binds you together that keeps you as a team and everybody's cheering you on but you as you begin to walk you realize we are nothing about a team right here there is not we have three legs when I just walked to this place with two and I'm being told to run and I think the adults really just enjoy watching children fall down and I think that's really where most of these games come from. Dodgeball. Adults get to be the referee, and kids throw things at each other. And they hurt each other, and they team up on each other. And tetherball. That tetherball was a weapon. That wasn't a game. You hit that ball so hard, it swing around and knock someone out. And adults would say, oh, go to the nurse's office. That was really funny. Life is brutal like that. And sometimes you may feel like you are the odd man out in a church but it's not right because you need to tap into what the church family is all about it's truth 
It's not about all the things that you think matter. It's about how strong is truth in your life. Everything else can become a distraction. You can say, well, they're too short. They don't run. She has, Becky has an asthma attack every time in gym, and she carries her inhaler. How do you think we're going to make it across the finish line? You can get hung up on all the problems with your church. But God's saying, I need you to become a family. And he's wanting those on the outside to step right on in. Make yourself at home. And say, this is right where I'm supposed to be. We are bound together by truth. And it's not to make you awkward. It's not to make you fall. It's to make you succeed. Because this is not a three-legged race. This is a race we all run as one. We run together and we pick each other up. And we run as a team. And those that may fall behind, we reach back and pick them up and say, you're going to make it. And we encourage and we lift up. And I'll, I'll, be, I'll just throw this out there just to be brutally honest. It's not only just meals showing up at your doorstep. That's a beautiful thing and wonderful thing for us to do. And I applaud it and I encourage it. It's wonderful. You don't see it everywhere. And hats off and standing ovation to this church family for doing what you are doing for each other. But it's more than that. It's not okay for someone, and I've been there, to just feel like I only know my church family when I show up at church times. You're missing it. You're missing it. If that's what it's only, if that's all that it is for you, you've missed it. We're in this day after day. We're in this. We're going to fight this battle every time we get up, every time we see each other. Whether you see them or not, pray for them. That's strengthening the bomb. That's believing in what God has called us to do. Because truth is the only reason we are here together tonight. It's not an obligation. It's knowing what he has done for each and every one of us. So instead of the awkward walk, we excel in running this race with the help of the Lord. Because he chose us. He says, I want you, Brother Jaheim. I want you, Sister Nelson. And he put this beautiful thing together we call the Truth Church. And it's this beautiful church family. And I would encourage anyone who may be listening to this to be a part of it. He called us. Reading in 2 Corinthians, there's a passage of Scripture where the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians how that Paul and his fellow laborers toiled together in ministry. Won't get into the details of chapter 5 and all of verse 6. We're just going to talk about a few things. But there were dangers, there were risks, there were threatenings. There were everything you could imagine coming against Paul. And he referenced it, and I believe it. He starts out these verses of Scripture, uh, I did it in and by and as and he gives the layout of everything that happened in his life and went wrong but at the very beginning of it in second corinthians chapter 6 and verse 3 it says giving no offense in anything we just talked about uh, happy about the people who love the law of the lord we're not offended we're not stripped up we're not stumbling and and we love the law and those things about us that lead us and guide us and it goes on to say that the ministry be not blamed but in all things, approving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience and afflictions and necessities and distresses. But he says, give no offense in anything. Giving no occasion to reject the gospel. It's placing emphasis on the labor of the ministry that they would not do anything that would uh, represent the ministry disparagingly, not just against the Apostle Paul, but always going back to the teaching that they taught of from Jesus Christ. It, it was not to, don't give the ministry uh, in a bad slight to anything, because he understood and he fully well knew that if one minister gets up 
and makes himself look bad and falls, it makes everybody else look bad. Just like the used car salesmen or the lawyers. There's always those types of people that make everybody look bad and they all get the same label. But he's saying, don't get offended at everything. Don't get stumbled and tripped up. And it is that tie that binds us together, this love for truth. That everything we do, we should be embracing this gospel message. In order for you to be a part of the Truth Church family, you have to pursue after truth. You need to love this message. You have to embrace truth. You have to want and desire it because that's what we're all about. You're not going to walk in and have a singles club, a young married, a divorce club. If that's what you're looking for, you will be disappointed. But if you're looking for truth, you will find fulfillment in this house. And there are people, not saying anyone here tonight, making a general statement. There are people who will flirt with the world and get offended when God calls it out because... The odors of sin reek upon us every time we brush against it because that's just what the world is. And I want the word to come across this sacred desk, no matter who's preaching it. And God reach down and stir my heart and say, hey, listen, yo boy, you better start pursuing up the truth with everything in your heart. Don't look to the left. Don't look to the right. Don't get in that spinning wheel while just ride or coast. No, it's about forward momentum pursuing continuously after truth. We are all commanded and called to do such. And our calling is to ensure that the ministry of Jesus Christ is alive and well and vibrant and growing in this church. We are to support one another, and it's beautiful to see what is happening. And I'll be transparent. I've been a part of several churches, but I've never been a part of one that has been drawn so close together as this one. I've never been a part of one, even all the years of growing up, of churches even in this area, where I've seen people come together and unite and be as one and see the body when somebody else feels pain reach down and pick them up and try to encourage them now there are those that say i want nothing to do with what you want seen that experience that give them the space let them do their thing but the body says when you're ready we're here for you we don't judge we don't look side-eye at you. You know what's going to happen? We're going to meet you at the altar, and we're going to cry and pray with you because that's what the body does. I believe every saint in this church can testify how this church family has supported them in their time of need. Just recently, I was talking with my children about how beautiful this church family is and I explained to them I said now that you know you have an obligation to then in turn do the same you cannot always be the ones everybody's always helping we come together and we stand up and we help others the beautiful part about a church family you can be vulnerable you can be transparent it's totally opposite from the things of this world. Because here's what they're going to say. What's in it for me? They're going to question your motive, Sister Reba, when you say, can I help you? They're going to say, she wants something from me. They're going to say, if I make them look bad, will it benefit me? I'm going to get my revenge on them, and I'm going to make them pay. Those are things that people say and do. Oh, I just don't trust them. The problem is, in most cases, they don't trust themselves. And if you've had anyone, if you've never had anyone pick you up and brush the dirt off your clothes and love you like a brother or a sister, 
that I'm here to tell you I can make an introduction tonight. Meet the Truth Church family. Because that's what we do. That's who we are. It's not something that we do to glorify one another. But it's because we see hurt. We see pain. People walk through the back doors of this church. And you can see the hurt and the pain. And you see the battles they're fighting. And they might as well just be on the battlefield screaming, Medic, medic, I need a medic. And it's beautiful to watch the church family. And being on the platform, you'll see someone just slide over and slide their hand up next to them and say, can I pray with you? And the medic's there, and they start wiping the dirt off, and they start dressing the wounds, and they start building that relationship, and something beautiful starts to come out. Next thing you know, that person says, can I go to the altar and pray? It's because truth has started to tie them to you. It's because there's some people that are willing to get dirty, to get down in the trenches and say, listen, I don't care what it costs. I don't have ulterior motives, Brother Hilton. When I say I'm going to pray for you, Brother Kaiser, I am going to pray for you. I am going to lift your name up to the Heavenly Father and say, God, no matter what it is, take care of it for him. I'm going to help you fight the battle. I say that as I, but I know it's the collective we. When we have a need presented, we respond. Now, not every church can do that. Because that takes something more than just resources. It takes truth. Because truth, you can never be worn out with truth. Because truth sustains. It feeds it nurtures. When your fleshly body is feeling weak and you're like, I don't know if I can do this, you understand your calling, you know your place, you know your mantra, the song, you know everything that's supposed to happen, and you say, there is somebody dependent upon me, and I'm going to stand up and do the right thing. We were given the very best example you could even imagine. John 3.16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ gave us the perfect example to lay down his life for you and I. 1 John 3.16 Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. John 15 and verse 12 says, This is my commandment, that ye love one another, love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus gave us that example. He laid out the template. He gave us the rope to grab onto and say, Just follow this and I'll show you what to do. Everything he commanded, he did so others could see and apply Scripture before their very eyes. He was the ultimate sacrifice, his life. And if we are to follow his example, there has to be a death, not in the physical, but a death to our will, a death to the things of this world, a death that we must do in baptism. And the beautiful thing when we die, what springs forth is life. He gave of himself physically. He sacrificed himself for us. But we must sacrifice our will so we can help others. And it's not just money. If you think the church is just about the dollar then you are referencing people that don't have truth. Because truth is not dependent upon, well, I'll give you an offering to make you feel like you're welcome here at church. I can tell you, people walk in and they'll shake hands and they'll get something that's so genuine. It's a love for their soul. Not just, well, look at the numbers that we have. It's about a genuine love for their soul. In the midst 
of accusations from Pharisees. Jesus pivots from healing a blind man, and then he gives them a parable. In John chapter 10 and verse 6, it says, This parable spake Jesus unto them, that they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them, Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep, and all that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I I am come that they might have life and that they might have life more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. It is our act of obedience to the word of God that brings us unto death in baptism. And our life that was in the past is now gone. And we pick up the new attributes of things around us, and we begin to absorb the culture of truth. And then value is applied upon your life. We're not here just to play only an instrument. We all have a calling to be a part of the church family. You can't be on the fringes. And like I said, this is sons and daughters space in here. This isn't cousins, nephews, long lost this. But when you come to be a part of this family... It's you become a son and a daughter in the kingdom of God. You become a part of the bride of Christ. It's more than just being associated. You become a member. You become a part of. You become a part of those who love truth. We read further down in 2 Corinthians, Paul writes a verse that is often used when you're talking about marriage. But it's not limited to that specific topic. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14, it says, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? One writer makes a few statements concerning the meaning of the scripture It says, love me as proof of your affection. Be not improperly united with unbelievers. Listen to me as a father addressing his children. Secure your own happiness and piety by not being unequally yoked with those who are not Christians. There are people that come in and they visit this church and they come in and they'll be in a service and walk back out and they become associated. But then they want to walk back out and be acclimated back into the world or they don't want to give up the things that are preached and taught because they say that's too conforming. But if they only understood what it would mean to their life, it would fulfill them in ways they've never been fulfilled before. Marriages that are dependent upon having a baby to hold the family together will find new meaning. People that hate one another Just being loved by a single church family member can show them the meaning of true love. Having a preacher, a pastor get up and deliver the anointed word and dig them out of their place in sin will show them that it's not all about the money. It's about the soul that you have sitting on the pew in front of you. And their perspective changes. And they begin to say, I can't do what I used to do. I cannot be yoked to this world and feel what I want to feel. Every act outside of truth is a step towards the world. And the shame about all of what happens in life, the ebbs and flows of people who walk away from truth, The thing that breaks my heart, one, they leave, but two, they got to pass people that are coming our way. And life has a way of bringing people together. And people see their direction, and it's obvious, well, you're going this way. Well, 
I've made up my mind. I'm going to the house of God. The beauty is when someone understands their need for God. And there's this revelation that comes. It's no longer the poster that we see in the Christian bookstore of the footprints in the sand. They may think, this is all my walk with God will ever be. But let them walk into an apostolic church. More importantly, let them walk into this apostolic church. And what they think may only be, well, it's just me and Jesus for the rest of my days. And all I'm going to have is the footprints in the sand going through my mind. If they only knew there's a heavenly host of saints behind them laying their hands and saying, you can make it. Take another step. Let me pray for you. And before you know it, they get the strength to stand upon their own two feet, Sister Nelson. And they begin to just drip back into the body and say, hey, where's somebody else we can encourage? And it becomes this living, breathing entity that says, listen, I don't care who you are, what you look like. I'm not here to be your friend. I'm here to take you to heaven. And we push and we encourage and we say, listen, you can do this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 17 in closing. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. That's more than a promise. That's a declaration. Because as pastor has said, the Lord Almighty, that verse of Scripture Outside of a few passages of Scripture in Revelation, that's the only place that it says the Lord Almighty in this way, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 at the end of this chapter. The other place it says it is just like the song we sang earlier. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. The one who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light is the one that's going to give strength to the church family to help push you along. Now, we can't save you, but we can put you in the environment. We can say, come right on in. Let's worship God together because we know the Almighty has everything in the palm of his hands. There is no one that can keep you, love you, forgive you, and lift you up, and place you in a church family other than the Almighty, because he has all power to protect and wash your sins away. He'll protect you and keep you. He'll sustain you. There is absolutely no reason to ever walk out and leave the church family other than things you've convinced yourself have to be done your way. Because if you love his law, you'll be happy. It's not a matter of I have to be a cookie cutter. It's that I just have to love his law. I just have to be in love with truth. I have to be sold out. I have to be committed to it. There can be nothing that can push me from one side or the other. There's no delusionment of grandeur that can come in and persuade me that I need to go this way when the church is going that way. God wants each and every one of us to be a part of a church family. And more importantly, this church family. There's people that we talk to. There's people that we witness to. Invite to the house of God. You know what? You need them. You need them to survive. Because you need someone to pray for, and they need you to survive. Because they need to pray for you, and you need to pray for them. It's a part of being a, a part of the body. It's a part of being able to respond to needs. It's, it's not all of us, well, I have this special thing that I do. I'm just a part of the church, and I do this one thing. We have all called, been called to minister one to another. Now, there are things that we individuals, certain individuals, God may have placed something upon your life where you can reach down and just say the right thing or do the right thing or be an example 
and you influence everybody around you. Those are gifts that God gives, and it's just a part of being the body. And I would encourage anyone who's listening online who may listen to this message at a later time, if you will just submit yourself to loving truth, there is no telling what God can do in your life. The battles you face, the things that just plague your mind, and you can see it on your face when you walk in, we're not dumb. We're not stupid. Don't just say, well, I just thought I would just come in and see y'all. I haven't seen you for a while. Most people do not come to church just to be, make their presence known and come in and make an appearance. It's because they're hurting. They have a need. They're needing something from the body. And it's our responsibility. And the beautiful thing that we have going, where this church body responds and says, I don't know who you are. Never met you before in my life. But I'm here for you. I'll pray for you. Amen. Can we stand tonight? God has called each and every one of us to a special place. To do something very special. It's to be a part of the body. And in closing, if I could encourage those that are here, the church family, I know those that if it weren't for you being sick, you would be here. Not referencing you in any way. But I know that God is calling this church to a special place. Something that resonates in my mind, and I pray it quite often. Bishop had preached this message last year, talked about this being the house of bread. I want to walk through those doors every time and have something to give somebody every time. Whether it be my worship, whether it be just walking up and praying, I want to be able to help somebody be sustained. Because saints, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Brother Jerry, you get a phone call from someone saying, thank you for praying, just like you did. Things happen where people say, hey, people, other people may have thought it was insignificant, but thank you for doing what you did for me. People appreciate genuine apostolic people because they know we're real. We have the real thing. Amen. Can we just take a moment and lift our voices and talk to him? And I would encourage you, if God has impressed anything upon you to do, that you be prayerful about it and say, God, how can you enrich my life in the kingdom of God? How can I grasp this even deeper Hold it stronger. Encourage more. Lift up around. Let's lift our voices and talk to him for a few moments tonight.